My name is Caleb Hunt. I'm the pastor at Grifton United Methodist Church, and welcome to the End of Words podcast, the home of our weekly sermons. If you are in the eastern North Carolina area and would like to come visit us, we have weekly worship services at 11 a.m. in our sanctuary on McRae Street, and we would love to have a chance to meet you in person. In the meantime, though, we pray that this message might help you in your own life and in your own context to refocus on the story of Jesus. Our first scripture reading comes from Isaiah chapter 9. We're reading verses 1 through 2 and then verses 6 and 7. But there will be no gloom for those who were in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he will make glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. For a child has been born to us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Our second scripture reading comes from the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne room saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So I've mentioned to a few of y'all before um, that I am I am one of those people that will not listen to Christmas music in any form until after Thanksgiving. My wife thinks that this makes me a stick in the mud, but what y'all Christmas before Halloween people don't realize is I am just, I'm just trying to look out for you. Thanksgiving is one of the most fun and one of the most wholesome holidays out there. And by skipping to Christmas carols before turkeys have been carved, you are robbing yourself of its power and its delight. I'm only trying to help all of us get the entire holiday season experience and all of its wonder and all of its variety. Another misconception about us Thanksgiving warriors is that our Christmas spirit is somehow less than or diminished, that we're not really Christmas people, that we secretly hate Rudolph and sleigh bells or something. And while, yes, I feel like we can all admit that the stop-motion animated specials are are creepy, in general, that could not be farther from the case. I love Christmas. I love the food, the decorations, the music. The Friday after Thanksgiving, my family starts to blast the classics throughout the house. Deck the halls, White Christmas, Michael Buble, all of that good stuff. I especially love Christmas hymns. Some of my earliest memories in church are the candlelit Christmas Eve services that we went to every year, singing Silent Night, Holy Night, while the entire church sways back and forth with their tiny little flames. Those were some of the first times, I think, where I felt the presence and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, even though I probably couldn't have named it as such as, you know, a five-year-old or a six-year-old. And so for this year, in our Advent sermon series, I've decided to lean into the beauty of our classic Christmas carols. Christmas hymns tend to be some of the most theologically and scripturally rich songs in our hymn book. And each week of Advent this year, the sermon is going to look at the scripture and the biblical themes underlying one of the classic Christmas hymns. 
I'm hoping that this will help us see these familiar songs in a new light. And we're going to end each service, or if you're listening to the podcast, I'm going to recommend that you conclude your listening time by listening to the hymn. Um, and I'm hoping that when you do, you will experience the depth of the words and of the melodies in a fuller and more meaningful way. And I'm going to link to some sort of rendition of the hymn in the show notes for each of these podcast episodes. Before we dive into the hymn for this week, I want us to zoom out for a minute and think about a bigger picture question. What is the purpose of Advent? These four weeks that come before Christmas, why are they here? What are we supposed to be doing during this time? As the church, what are we supposed to be focusing on and thinking about these four Sundays headed towards Christmas? Now, you might say, well, we are anticipating the birth of Jesus. We are waiting with with breathless longing for the baby lying in a manger. We're waiting for the moment where we can sing, what child is this? And on the one hand, that is true. You can hear that theme in a lot of the classic hymns, the one that we are uh, thinking about this morning and the one that I've linked uh, into the show notes for this morning, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. We are waiting for the Messiah to arrive. But on the other hand, that doesn't make a lot of sense, at least not if we take it literally, because Jesus already came. We all know that. The whole looking for an empty room in an inn, lying the baby in a manger, the wise men coming, bearing gifts, that all happened over 2,000 years ago at this point. So if we are anticipating the birth of Christ, we are only doing so vicariously. We're imagining what it must have been like to await the Savior of the world. And that's all well and good. But historically, in the liturgical calendar, the season of Advent has always had another purpose, one that doesn't get quite as much attention, at least in my experience. While we remember Jesus' first coming, during Advent, we are also looking forward to and anticipating his second. As Christians, we believe that the incarnation of God in the baby Jesus was among the most significant moments in the history of the world. It was not, however, its conclusion. Our Savior, we believe, will come again in the flesh, and the next time he will come in glory and in power. He will return to draw all of history to a close and to usher in a new creation, a new heaven and a new earth. And so the purpose of Advent is not only to remember the birth of Jesus, to vicariously, through the eyes of Israel, anticipate his birth in Bethlehem. It is also to strain our eyes off into the murky and distant future as we yearn for a glimpse of those clouds parting and the sound of trumpets heralding the return of the King of Kings. Our first hymn in this sermon series for Advent is O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, because I think it beautifully encapsulates this sort of double vision that's characteristic of Advent. It both anticipates the birth of the baby Jesus through the eyes of Israel, who had been waiting for the Savior for centuries, and this song allows us, Christians living in this day and age, to look forward to the conclusion and the redemption of all things. So during the rest of the time that we have together this morning, we are going to look at mainly the first verse of this song, and we're going to try and read it with this double vision through the eyes of Israel and through our own eyes. The first verse is the most familiar. It's one of those melodies that I always look forward to hearing each and every year on the last Friday of November, not a single day sooner. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appears. That first verse, it establishes that longing, that anticipatory tone, come, O come, Emmanuel, and it locates it within the context of Israel's exile, ransom captive Israel. Remember, the kingdom of Israel mistakenly believed that as God's chosen people, they were immune from God's justice and God's judgment. They allowed their kingdom, their society, to slip into all of the traps that God had warned them about earlier in the Old Testament. The wealthy and the powerful among them 
built a society where the poor and the marginalized were not protected or cared for, as the book of Deuteronomy mandated, but were rather exploited and denigrated. The people turned from the worship of the one true God to the worship of graven images, idols, and false deities. They did not follow the teachings of their ancestors, but rather, as the book of Judges puts it, each person did what was right in his or her own eyes. And so God allowed the nations of the earth to overwhelm Israel. Babylon and Assyria battered down their walls, destroyed their temple, and dragged the people away to live in foreign lands. And so what does Israel long for in this time of exile? As they labor under the rule of their captors, what are they wishing for? They are longing for Emmanuel, which is the Hebrew phrase meaning God with us. They are longing for reunion, to once again be God's people, to once again have communion with him and to enjoy that intimate relationship with him that they had before. In some ways, the entire arc and plot of the Bible can be encapsulated or summed up in this longing for Emmanuel, for God with us. All the way back in Genesis chapter 3 in the Garden of Eden, God and humanity, they shared the same space. God's space and human space was one and the same. The text tells us that the first humans walked about the garden with God in the afternoon breeze. It's a picture of the creator and his creation perfectly at peace and united with one another. It's Emmanuel in Genesis chapter 3. But we know the turn that the story takes. The first humans decide that they want to be like God, knowing and thereby experiencing good and evil, and their relationship with God is ruptured. It's broken. Adam and Eve are thrust out of the garden into the wilderness and the chaos that surrounds it, and the following pages tell a story of increasing violence, sin, and suffering. But God does not abandon his creation. God still finds ways of being with them, even if it's in an imperfect and an incomplete form. God instructed his people to build the tabernacle, which was this giant tent, as a way for the holy God to still be with them and to dwell among his yet unredeemed people. When God led the Israelites out of Egypt, his very presence came to rest in this tabernacle and followed them throughout their wanderings in the desert. Mediated through the priests and the animal sacrifices, the Israelites could enter into God's presence in the tabernacle for a period of time. Once the tribes coalesced into a kingdom under Saul, David, and Solomon, God had his people build him a temple, which was a permanent residence, so that he could be with them, so that the relationship between God and humanity could have a more permanent and established connection. And this is at least one of, if not the major reason why the exile was such a traumatic and horrible experience in the life of Israel. Babylon destroyed the temple, the place of God's residence, and Israel, it seemed, for a long, long time, was left utterly alone. Thrust out of the garden, the tabernacle gone, the temple destroyed, it seemed as if God had abandoned them, maybe for good this time. And so Israel, in their, in their captivity, in their exile, they almost definitely sang songs like, Come, O come, Emmanuel. Come be with us, God. Please be near to us. Please restore our relationship with you. And the birth of the baby Jesus was the answer to those prayers. In John chapter 1, the narrator tells us that the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. A literal translation of the Greek there would actually be the Word tented among us. He pitched his tent. He tabernacled among us. When Jesus was here on earth, it was like there was a walking slice of Eden traveling throughout the Middle East, healing people of their diseases, forgiving them of their sins. Jesus brought God's space with him wherever he went, seeing as he was God himself come to reestablish a relationship with his people. The baby in the manger was truly an answer to that prayer, come, O come, Emmanuel. But after Jesus rose from the dead, we know that he ascended into heaven. And although he promised to be with us always, wherever two or three are gathered, it's not always easy to sense him in our lives. 
because although the exile from Israel has ended, the exile from the garden has not. And sometimes, on this side of the resurrection, we can sense the Holy Spirit and the risen Christ right next to us, as close to us as the breath in our lungs. But other times, when the stress, pain, and brutality of life break through, we can feel just as alone and just as abandoned as Israel did working in the fields of Babylon. We've all had those moments. We've had the moments when God's presence is, is palpably present and is, is nearer to us than anything else. But we've also had moments when God's presence is um, so far off and just totally incapable of penetrating our grief and our suffering, our anxiety, sometimes even just our apathy. And although we might know in our heads that the Savior of the world has already come to do his work, he was born in a manger, he lived, he died on a cross, and rose again, we also know intuitively, we can feel it in our bones, that this, this what we have in front of us, it can't be the conclusion of the story. There must be more work to do. There must be another twist coming up in the plot. Our New Testament reading for this morning comes from John's vision while he is living on the desert island of Patmos. Uh, it's the book of Revelation. And at the conclusion of John's vision, which has been wild, tumultuous to say the least, full of glory, judgment, and redemption, at the conclusion of his vision, John writes, And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. Can you guess what the Greek word is that is underlying those phrases, the home of God, and he will dwell with them? It's the word for tent, for tabernacle. How awesome is that? God will once again, the book of Revelation tells us, at the end of time, God will again tent among mortals. His home will once again be among humankind. This is Emmanuel in Revelation 21. During this part of his vision, John is foreseeing the resolution of a biblical theme that began in the Garden of Eden. When God and the first humans walked together in the afternoon breeze, a theme that continued through the tabernacle, through the temple, and through the person of Jesus Christ. When the new heaven and the new earth is ushered in, we will finally and definitively and completely be reunited with the Creator God. And so when we sing, Come, O come, Emmanuel, we remember the baby Jesus. We imagine through the eyes of Israel what it must have been like to be awaiting the Savior of the world. But what we long for, what we are anticipating with every fiber of our being, is Revelation 21, God with us. The new heaven and the new earth, when God's space and human space will finally be completely reunited once again. The home of God will once again be among mortals, and there will finally be an end to all mourning and crying and pain. Come, O come, Emmanuel. When you listen to this song after this podcast has wrapped up, um, try to do so with this double vision in mind as you sing through each verse. Sing vicariously through the eyes of Israel, but also look forward to the conclusion of all things. When you get to verse 2, which says, O come thou wisdom from on high, and order all things far and nigh. Remember the people of Israel stuck in exile without access to the Torah. They had no access to the laws of their forefathers, which told them how to be in right relationship with God. And in exile, they longed for wisdom and instruction to come straight from the source, from God himself. We here on this earth in the year 2021, when it seems like up is down, no one really knows what going, is going on. Everyone is more and more confused day by day. Sometimes it's even unclear what we Christians should be doing. We too are longing for the day when God will set straight all matter of things and divine wisdom will finally order the human heart. Verse 7 says, O come, desire of nations, bind all peoples in one heart and mind. 
Israel looked forward to a day when the wheel of conquest would finally cease, when empires like Babylon and Assyria would no longer threaten the very existence of nation-states like Israel. We look forward to the end of all conflict, all violence, and all disagreement, when the fractures that separate us from our neighbors, from our country members, sometimes even from our own family, when they will dissolve in the light of God's presence. When you hear the chorus, which cries out, Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to thee, O Israel. Remember the baby Jesus arrived in the manger, but look forward to Jesus, the conquering king, who will one day burst through the clouds. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you for listening to another episode of the End of Words podcast brought to you by Grifton United Methodist Church. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing to our podcast, sharing the episode with a friend, or making plans to visit us on a Sunday morning at 11 a.m. in our sanctuary on McRae Street. We would love to have the opportunity to greet you in person. If you have any feedback, comments, or questions, you can email me at cpunt at nccumc.org. God bless.